Jeremiah concludes his plea, his complaint, by saying, Lord, you are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. You hear what Jeremiah is doing? Turning against God, the God that he turned towards, the God that he claimed to worship and to follow and to love, now he's turning against him because he must bear suffering. Only if you utter what is worthy, my words, Jeremiah, will you be my spokesperson. Only if you don't become like the world, Jeremiah, only then can you speak for me. And then the promise. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall. And yes, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. Following messages from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, September 3rd. Jeremiah 15, verse 15 to 21. The story of God's people is one of bearing crosses, trials. We see that. Just look back in the Old Testament and one of the most prominent characters, people we see in the Old Testament is they're thrown into a pit by his brothers because they hate him. For no particular reason, just because he mentioned he had a vision from God in a dream, he's thrown into a pit, despised. And then, yes, God blesses him. He, he has his cross lifted for a while as he's brought to be the manager of a household, as Joseph is blessed by God, it says. But then, sure enough, all he wants to do is honor the God who gave him so much. And once again, he's thrown into prison for trying to avoid sexual immorality. Of course, Joseph is just the prominent listing of a beginning of people we see, the people of God, bearing crosses. We're going to look at today a prophet, Jeremiah, who also was thrown into a pit because of what he bore, the name of God, and because he wanted to serve his God. And we see throughout the pages of Scripture until this very day, God says, you will bear a cross. Maybe that's not the church that many people look for. And it's not the church that people really want in this world. But whether you accept it or not, we will see just how wonderful it is that this is the church God wants. A church that takes up its crosses. We see in Jeremiah 15 that Jeremiah is rejected by the people. He is carrying God's word and he comes to what you might describe as a breaking point. As we read here in chapter 15, he has carried the message of God. The people have heard him declare, thus says the Lord. And now Jeremiah is seemingly at wit's end. The suffering, the persecution becomes too much. So he pleads to God, Lord, you understand Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. Maybe this type of a plea feels somewhat familiar. When we face hardships or trials in our life, we say, God, don't you know? You understand what's going on, right? Care for me. And Jeremiah throws in that, that little bit of extra that we maybe like to throw in sometimes. I suffer reproach 
for your sake. In other words, God, you see me suffering, right? And you know I'm suffering because I'm trying to follow your word and proclaim your name to this world. Jeremiah describes his life before this point. I'm hoping as a pastor that you can say, yeah, that, amen to that, Jeremiah. These sound like familiar thoughts. Jeremiah describes his life as a follower, worshiper of the Lord. He says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. You know, like the, the psalmist describing, taste and see the Lord is good. Jeremiah, as he metaphorically puts it here, devoured God's word. When he heard the word of God, his heart said, this is good. I want more of this. And same with you, right? When, when you heard God's word and you heard what God said regarding the gift of marriage, what God says about the gift of life, about what it is to have love in the Christian home as son and daughter honor their parents and live together in peace. We know that's good. And when we can be content with our possessions, all, all these things are our delight. And like the prophet says, we can join with the psalmist and say, I want to meditate on God's word day and night and be that tree planted by streams of water, drinking that up. And then Jeremiah describes his life. I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. The Christian should also be able to say that, right? That is, when all the other people in college were, were getting drunk and going off to parties and, and finding that they'd spend the night with someone else and just not honor marriage at all and respect their bodies, I didn't do that, God. Or at least if I did do that, I didn't continue it and I repented. Lord, I've been living a life to, to serve and honor you. Or maybe today you might be thinking, Lord, I don't join in all those public disgraceful events of this world. I don't frequent those places where people get drunk. I'm not a, one of them. Jeremiah basically says, I lived for you, God. Tempted as he might have been, Jeremiah was feeling just the opposite of desiring to join unbelievers. He says, I sat alone because your hand was on me and you filled me with indignation. How many Christian college students find themselves alone today because they don't want to join in the immorality that's around them? How many Christian co-workers and people separate on the basis of what their beliefs are? How many times are you filled with indignation as you look what's going on in the world and you see the, the social media posts and you recognize how lost and just how depraved people can become? Jeremiah saw what was going on in his time and he said, you filled me with indignation and I was apart from the sinner, God. See, all that's not bad, Right? If the Christian is filled with righteous indignation at the depravity and sin of this world, if they hate what is evil and love what is good, that's a good thing, right? And we should devour the word of our God. We should find ourselves driven to eat his word up and to live according to that word like Jeremiah does. But Jeremiah had an expectation that couldn't be met. He was suffering. So he pleads to God, now that he's made his case on who he is, he says, why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? Maybe you feel that way. 
When you've lived a life serving God, you didn't join with those immoral people around you. You didn't revel with them. You didn't night after night decide you were going to go out and get drunk. You decided to live a quiet life serving God, even if that meant sometimes you were isolated, alone, maybe filled with righteous zeal and indignation as you you see what's happening around you. Then what happens when your life becomes hard, even when you're serving God? When you're like someone like Joseph, who was thrown into prison because he fled from sexual immorality, or you're like the college student who's made to feel like such an outsider, mocked and ridiculed because they stand for truth, or they speak up for the word of their God, or it's known that they attend a conservative Christian church. Why is my pain unending? Maybe the persecution you faced hasn't been like Jeremiah's, who literally also would eventually find himself left in a pit for dead. But I'm sure the thought has been there. See, it's, it's not wrong for Jeremiah to come before God and to list all the things that he delights in God's word. He's kept that word. He's filled with God's spirit and he doesn't want to join in sin. He does not want to sit in the seat of mockers or stand in the path that sinners walk. He doesn't want to join in the counsel of the wicked. But the problem is, Jeremiah is listing those things, bringing them before God as if that means he deserves to have a life of ease, as if God owes him one now. And he's turning against the God who gave him his word to devour and to eat. Jeremiah concludes his plea, his complaint, by saying, Lord, you are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. God, you, you let me down. You are like that, that water that, that promises that it's going to give me something and it dries up. You hear what Jeremiah is doing? Turning against God. The God that he turned towards, the God that he claimed to worship and to follow and to love, now he's turning against him because he must bear suffering because of the trials and the persecutions he must face. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you will bear crosses. You will feel like Jeremiah does and and maybe at times this prayer will start to go out, but need it come to that conclusion? You, Lord, are a deceptive brook. Jeremiah really had at wit's end here. If we turn against the one who made us his own, and turn away from him, how ought he to respond? This is what the Lord says. As God responds to Jeremiah's complaint, he says, If you repent, I will restore you. Literally, it reads, Jeremiah, if you turn back to me in repentance, then I will turn you back and take you back. Jeremiah, you need to repent when you refuse to bear a cross, when you turn against your God because of the suffering that comes. He says, if you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Maybe today we might be tempted as a Christian body to start uttering worthless words. We might buy into the fact that we can become like the world and avoid a cross and suffering. And maybe we can, like the radio station, say, if our hymns are just watered down enough, we won't offend anybody. 
Or if we just make enough noise and don't really focus on what the message is, and we just get people riled up about, you know, how much God loves them and don't mention anything else, we won't have a cross. Because no one will be bothered by our message. No one will find the problem of sin. There will be no indignation or righteous zeal. But God says to Jeremiah, you'll only be my spokesperson if you utter worthy words, not meaningless, empty words. And then he goes on to say, let this people turn to you. You must not turn to them. In other words, Jeremiah, don't, don't become like the world or desire to be like them. They should desire to be more like you. They must turn to be like you are, Jeremiah. If the church that this world wants is one which avoids persecution, it will try to be more like the world. It will say, you know, if we just don't talk about abortion and we become like the world, then we'll be fine. You know, if we don't really deal with sexual immorality and we just let people love, then we can be more like the world and we can be more comfortable. And if we want to be more like the world, we can avoid all sorts of pains and crosses. You, Jeremiah, must be not like them. They must be like you. The church God wants is not a church that becomes like the world, but rather a church that stands out from the world, a church that is salt and light in this world of sin and darkness, a church that God wants is a church that carries that message of his word despite the attacks despite the trials and the crosses that will come as it bears the name of God. Jeremiah is told, you will bear my name, but only if you repent. Only if you utter what is worthy, my words, Jeremiah, will you be my spokesperson. Only if you don't become like the world, Jeremiah, only then can you speak for me. And then the promise, I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall. And yes, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue you and save you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah is told not only to repent, to utter worthy words, but he's told the Lord will then promise to protect, defend, and be with him and rescue him. The church that God wants is one where we take up our crosses. Jesus said so much to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, they must take up their cross and follow me. We saw how Peter, the disciple, didn't want that type of a church. Maybe sometimes we're tempted to not want that type of a church. Or maybe like Jeremiah, at times tempted to complain or turn against God when that suffering comes. But that's the church God wants. And praise him for that. As the Son of God came down, you can be sure the devil wanted him as he worked through Peter to turn aside from suffering. The devil wanted Jesus to give up the fight against evil and to do whatever it took to avoid suffering, to lay down the cross, literally. But the Son of God came and he said he had in mind the things of God and the church God wanted was that he would bear suffering. And the Holy Son of God, 
who, yes, like Jeremiah, was filled with indignation over sin, and like Jeremiah, had devoured the word of his father, had lived in perfect holiness, never deserved suffering, but he bore that suffering for his church. And he kept the will of the Father, which involved bearing a cross, and in doing so brought glory to the Father, covered the times and the sins when Jeremiah needed to repent, the times when we needed to repent. And he promises us, because of the sake of his Son, because we bear his name, we are now his forgiven people, and we are now his spokespeople. We now have the privilege of bearing crosses no longer for sin, but to bring glory to God as we bear the fight to proclaim his word in a hostile world. And as we do that, it's marvelous, but God does this. He says, they must become like you. Those who were persecuting Jeremiah, you can be sure some of them saw and heard the message and God worked his purpose. Those who persecuted the disciples, even a man like Paul, who turned against them, became like one of them because they endured suffering for the sake of Christ who endured all for them. And I don't know who it will be in your life, but God says to you, you will utter worthy words. Don't become like the world around you. Don't set aside your cross, but the Lord will fight for you. He already has won the victory, and now as you bear your cross, you bring glory to your God. Because that's the kind of church God wants. Until all of us become more and more like his Son, and like him, will graciously be raised to life, and our crosses will be gone. As we eagerly await, as we read Paul says, eagerly await that redemption, when our crosses will be behind us, and we will enjoy the crown won by our Lord. What's the church that God wants? A church that takes up its crosses, follows Christ from cross to crown and glory. May this be the church that he makes us as we speak his name and bear his name. Amen.